Welcome to the Athletes Mindset Academy podcast, where we help gymnastics coaches and parents develop happy, healthy athletes who know how to win. Let's get started. All right, you guys, this is Coach Amy with Athletes Mindset Academy. I am so grateful that all of you who are listening are listening today are in for a treat. We have Krista St. Germain with us today. And I just want to tell you a couple of things. A few months ago, Krista reached out and, and to the life coaches. We're, we're from the same life coach school certified. Krista is a master coach. She's amazing. She works with specifically widows, those who have lost a spouse. Um, but in general, the idea of grief, which I think we can all kind of resonate with these days, especially. Um, but I had this feeling a few months ago that in the athletic realm, these are tools, these are ideas, these are thoughts that we could really use right now to help us um, feel some peace, feel some um, growth, I guess, but not even just growth, coming to a space of just, we're okay. And athletes identify so much with things outside of them that bringing it back in is something I think that Krista probably has a gift to help us understand how we can do that. And Krista, I'm so glad you're here, thank you. And I want to ask you a couple of questions and then we're going to just kind of let this flow because I've been, I just told Krista, I said, you know, there's some things I want to talk about, but as a typical athlete, we've been trained to put our emotions on hold and hopefully just get rid of them all together in general. That's mm -hmm. what we are trained to do and be kind of robots is what I call us. Um, and I am working to help athletes feel again in the process of feeling myself but we don't like yeah. to feel so, yeah. so it's because we find that it's kind of um, messes up our game, messes up our flow when there is emotions involved, unless it's a happy emotion, which we know as life coaches that you really don't feel happiness without feeling the sadness, but we work so hard to pretend that we don't feel sad or disappointed. So mm -hmm. Krista, you're going to be probably like a fire hose given in a <laughs> little bit of a different realm, but they all connect. We know that with grief. And I want to hear just a little bit about your story so people can resonate with you and understand where you're coming from and where, what brought you to where you're at today with your, um, your story of grief to be able to help us understand how we can apply it to us. Do you mind sharing a little bit? Yeah, no, totally. Um, so I kind of discovered life coaching actually before my, um, second husband died. It was in, I was kind of in the process of getting a divorce with my first one and trying to figure out before that happened why I wasn't happier because mm -hmm. I thought I should be happier than I was. And from you know what I had thought growing up, everything looked like circumstantially, it should point towards happiness, right? So I had two healthy kids and I had the house and the job and just all the things I thought you're supposed to have in midlife, but I really wasn't happy at all. And so that's kind of what led me to discovering life coaching and very passively at first, you know, like many people do, I just found a podcast and started listening and, and learning. And I've always been interested in, in self growth and in personal development, but fast forward a couple of years and I had gotten divorced and remarried, remarried the man of my dreams, like the man of my dreams. I really just, I thought he hung the moon and everything was amazing. And just had envisioned this kind of beautiful life together that we were building. And we were headed back from a trip that we had taken together. It was a volunteer thing that I've been doing for a couple of decades, actually. And he had gone with me and um, I had a flat tire and he pulled over behind me to help me change the flat tire on my car. 
And while he was doing that, um, someone who we later found out had meth and alcohol in his system, we were on the side of the interstate, but crashed into the back of Hugo's Durango and trapped him in between his car and mine. And mm -hmm. so it was, you know, didn't didn't see it coming very sudden. And within 24 hours, you know, he was just gone. And so therapy, very helpful right in those early days to just get back to functioning, right? Being able to tell the story and talk about it and process it and get back to work. We had, Hugo and I had worked together at the same company. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, going back to work brought its own own challenges, but also its own blessings because everybody there really understood. But um, it, it was just that kind of realization of, holy cow, what am I on this planet for? You know, if this, if life isn't going to go according to what I planned and it's so short, so much shorter than I had imagined, then what do I, what am I here for? What do I want to do? Um, and I kind of had this period where everyone was telling me I was so strong and so amazing and I wasn't feeling strong or amazing. I was feeling hollow and, ugh, you know, um, just not at all. The outsides weren't matching the insides. Mm -hmm. And it just happened to be that the same coach that I had been following who, you know, Brooke Castillo happened to launch a program right at the time when I really, really needed it. And so I joined and started learning about the things that, you know, now fascinate me. So what are emotions and where do they come from and how do we handle them and how do we create them on demand and how do we create results that we want that are aligned with, you know, the life that we want to live. And it was just really powerful for me. And so at first I wasn't particularly interested in coaching grief. I thought it would be too sad. Mm -hmm. Couldn't really imagine doing that all day. And I, I was at that point where I was just kind of, you know, coming out and into my own, mm -hmm. um, but I, I followed that instinct and I got certified and I left that corporate job and somewhere along in the process, I did enough of my own work that I realized that no, actually grief isn't something um, that I want to steer away from. It's actually something I want to lean into. And so that's what I do now is just work with women who, and I've done all kinds of grief work, but I've kind of narrowed it into women who have lost their spouses and are really trying to figure out how to love life again, not just tolerate the new normal, not just resign themselves to, well, this dream died. So I guess I'll just have to bide my time, you know, um, but really truly get back to creating and living and loving life and using that loss if they want as a way to bounce forward. Right. And, and, and no longer just thinking that the goal is to bounce back to functioning, but to actually, you know, use it to become more of who they want to be, use it to become more resilient, use it to, to become even more connected with their values and um, their vision for what they want in this lifetime and who they want to be. So it's an, it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing that, you know, that that life journey was such a low, low. And now I feel like I'm in exactly the place where I'm, I was always meant to be. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Mm -hmm. That's Actually, a story I, I have never heard. I didn't know that. I've, I've known yeah. of you, Krista, for a long time through the school, but I didn't know your story. So thank you. Um, wow, it's, that's a very emotional one. And I think that a lot of people can feel that sincerity inside of you um, and the love that you have to help other people find uh, bounce forward. I love that instead of bouncing back. Yeah. I love that yeah. phrase. And I love the idea of leaning into grief. And that's another phrase I would love. I've heard you say that a couple of times. I would love for you to explain what that looks like and what that feels like to lean into grief, mm -hmm. 
because one of the things you guys, as I'm listening to Krista speak is as a, um, wow, I'm already emotional <laughs> and this is not what I love to do, but, um, wow. Okay. And I haven't lost a spouse and it's weird because you think everybody has their different pain points. Everybody has their different loss. We all have a lot of loss in different ways from this last year and a lot of growth and a lot of love and a lot of joy. I found that this last year was such a beautiful year that it's hard for me to see it as a year of loss. However, when Krista talks of loss, loss isn't always about a human. For athletes, it's often about a functioning body part, about um, retiring from the sport. And I told Krista, I don't like to be emotional, but I already felt this coming before we started talking. So I might have her talk more so I can talk less. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, first to your, to your, yeah, to just what you said, which I think is so beautiful. And so often people misunderstand grief because as a culture, we just, we aren't very informed. And so we think that grief is about a death loss, yeah. but really there are so many non-death losses that are grief, right? It's, it's a human's natural response to a perceived loss. Mm. And perception is so key, right? Because what I perceive as a loss will be so different than what someone else perceives as a loss, right? Even if it's the same, even if it's a death loss and it's the same person, my relationship with them, with them will be different than someone else's relationship. So I think we, we wanna kind of open up that conversation and think about really grief can be so much more than probably most of us ever think that it is and give ourselves permission to let it be individual and unique because it is at its very foundation, right? It's perception of loss, which is why um, I, I'm really glad that you're kind of seeing the benefit of that discussion in your industry and in the people that you serve. So, yeah. Oh, so much. And I can tell you, I've been thinking quite a bit of what does loss mean to me? And what it, one question I have for you is how do you release something that you love so much and you can relate to that so well? I don't relate to it on, in, the, in the realm that you do. I relate to it mm -hmm. in the athletic realm and the mm -hmm. way I buffer, I can see how I buffer to not have to release that, that love, mm -hmm. right? We all buffer, yeah. try to avoid feeling uh, uh, something's missing, something's Mm -hmm. a loss our brain's gonna look for if we lost keys we're gonna go look for keys our brain mm -hmm. wants to find that thing that's lost right yeah so how yeah. do you do something that you love so dearly that's such an interesting question so I carry the love with me hmm. right I don't I don't think that accepting a loss means that we have to feel any less love for hmm. the thing okay right? It's just, it's morphing, it's evolving, it's changing. And so accepting the loss, it just means, we, you know, we have this story of how life is supposed to go, mm -hmm. right? We have this story, but it's always been a story, right? And my story was that Hugo and I were supposed to grow old together. We were supposed to travel and do all the things. And, you know, I could visualize it all of how it was exactly supposed to be. And I'm sure, you know, everybody has their own version of that, be it with a sport that they love or, you know, a, a relationship or a career or anything, but we have this story of how it's supposed to go. And then it doesn't go that way. Clearly yeah. <laughs> it doesn't go that way. Yeah. And then it's the holding on to the story that causes the suffering. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's the continuing to tell ourselves that it should have gone the way that we thought it was going to go. Yeah. 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 And then we suffer. And so letting go of the should story, mm. right? Like yeah. no longer arguing with how it went mm -hmm. is acceptance. And so when you say letting go, to me, that's what comes to mind is it's not letting go of the love. It's not letting go of the memories. It's not even letting go of the connection because we can still be connected. Mm -hmm. Even if a relationship is over or someone has died or like we, we, we have the power to create connection with our own mind, mm -hmm. our own brain. So it's not letting any of that go, but it's letting the resistance go. It's letting the argument go. It's letting the story and the shoulds go. I love the idea of letting the should story go and the mm -hmm. argument against it. And I think that's once, one thing that's interesting for professional athletes um, and those who have lost the ability to keep moving forward in a sport because they physically have been injured. That's one sense of loss where they, like you said, saw it differently to the end. Then there's the story of they had so much love and they naturally were done, retired. Mm -hmm. And the retirement, I think people who are retired in general sometimes have a hard time, especially men, letting go of the of the space that they were in when you're so mm -hmm. attached to that thing. And that's, I don't know if you've ever heard of the, the book that's um, Jonathan Livingston Siegel or something like that. It's just about like a bird that just loved to fly just to fly. There's no, mm -hmm. there was no expectation. There was nothing that mattered except for just the feeling of flying. And mm -hmm. I have, I have teammates who, as soon as the sport was over, they were happy to let it go. They were so glad they, they, they were able to use it for the, the things that they wanted to get the scholarship to Stanford, to be done with Stanford and be moving on. And the thing that I realized is I thought I could let it go. And yet, and like you said, you don't, maybe it's not about letting it go, but it's such a part of me that I'm trying to find other things sometimes to fill that mm -hmm. void. And people say, you're so busy. They tell me I'm so busy. And I realize it's not. It's that I'm constantly trying to find something that satisfies me in the way that that did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And also it's probably, I'm guessing, but tell me if I'm off base, Amy, yeah. is that part of it is like an avoidance of what you fear you might feel if you don't find something. And so I'm guessing there might be kind of this urgent component to it that has you seeking and searching. Right? It's like partly because of something you want to feel, but also partly because of something you're afraid to feel. I think that there's a lot to that. I absolutely agree. I think that there's a lot of, when I hear people say, wow, you're so busy. I look at them. I'm like, I'm not busy at all. Mm -hmm. I just, when I am still, and I don't know if you feel this, when you're still, you feel connected with Hugo. When I'm still, mm -hmm. I am flipping in my head and I feel the satisfaction of figuring mm -hmm. out those little tweaks that I didn't quite figure out when I was actually physically flipping. Mm -hmm. Like, how would mm -hmm. I go back and do it? I know exactly how to do mm -hmm. the, and I just want to feel it physically again, right? Mm -hmm. And we can mm -hmm. feel things emotionally, but I definitely find this urge, this desire and people, so I, I like to write books. My husband decided to get his real estate license years ago. I'm like, if you're getting it, I'm getting it. That must be fun. If you're, if you're doing insurance, I'm doing insurance. I'm going to help people with Medicare. That must be fun. Oh, I have a gym in my, I have a, I own a gym. I, like all these things. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I love them all, but they haven't filled the void. So I keep searching. Mm -hmm. So that's probably what you're saying. The urgent mm -hmm. desire, the, the mm -hmm. need. 
to keep seeking and maybe it's just a need to keep growing but for me I have like I have to get both my knees replaced I retore my mm-hmm. ACL my ACL's gone and so there's a and my shoulder has a torn rotator cup uh, cup and that doesn't matter to me mm-hmm. I just wish they would be healed enough that I can I try all these different you know mm-hmm. steps and electric therapies and all these things to try to get myself back instead of moving forward and I think a lot of retired athletes I've realized the more I talk to retired athletes we feel very similar. There's a, a mm-hmm. sense of dissatisfaction yeah. instead yes. of enjoyment. Yes, and a, 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 an analogy that comes to mind is this idea of a shattered vase, mm. right? Um, which is that you know, if you, what a lot of us try to do after a loss is we take all of these shards of the vase and we try to glue it back together into a vase. Yeah, and it's really frustrating because it will never be that vase again. Right right? No matter how much time and effort we spend, it just won't be that same thing. But we put all of our effort and time into trying to make it into the vase. And so the idea behind post-traumatic growth is like, okay, if we've got all these shards and we can't actually turn it into a vase, what can we do to build on it with the same pieces that we have, right? Mm-hmm. Like, can we take those same shards and make a mosaic? Can we not try to, you know, this effort and you know futility of trying to reassemble something that will never be exactly as it was and let that part go but but not give up yeah. not be hopeless about it but then decide on purpose okay this is what i have what do i want to do with this this is who i am what do i want to do with me yeah instead of just trying to recreate the past and it's the opportunity if you want it to be to actually do it in a more meaningful and connected way. I think that's one of the um, big things that I'm learning from the Life Coach School, from the tools that I'm learning from a very variety of different sources that, that I think when we when I was an athlete, like I was telling at the beginning, I really believe that as we learned how to not feel, in fact, it was very much looked down upon to feel negative emotions which means there wasn't really a reference for the positive, which means all the successes were very shallow. Does yeah. that make sense? All the wins, yeah. were, you wanted to smile on, this, on the podium, but you didn't really feel anything because there was nothing to mm. feel, right? Fascinating. So, so you're, you're raised to believe that if you are crying, then there's something wrong. You, you shouldn't be sad, but you should be happy when you win. And there's, there's no place for that. That doesn't make any sense in my head anymore. So maybe what I've been seeking is the understanding and the feeling, because I know I love to flip. I would go early to gym. I would stay late for gym. I loved to flip. That's, I still do. I still do. I did handstands this morning as part of my routine, right? That's part of what I do. That's part of who I am. But that handstand in my head seems like that's what brings me joy. And we know that can't be true. It's just such a hard story to separate sports from the person. And I think part of it is because we're also not trained as athletes to be okay with negative emotion. When we we're okay with some sports to show negative emotion, because then people think, oh yeah, see, now they're disappointed. And if they don't show mm-hmm. negative emotion, then obviously they didn't, they didn't care. Enough, right. That's not in gymnastics In gymnastics. It's very much a, just the smile or nothing. That's, that's it. Right. Don't do anything else. And it's very looked down upon and you don't get the attention that you desire from a coach if you show any other emotions. So I think part of it is I want to, I want to figure out how to relive the years of loving flipping with knowing how to feel and, and, and enjoy the satisfaction of sports. But that is now on this side of my life where I'm like, how do I enjoy life now that I can kind of feel what life feels like 
and still mm-hmm. have the enjoyment of a talent, I guess, that I love still so much. So I don't know if I'm yeah. just rambling here, but I think it's interesting to hear what your, what your story is that you've been mm-hmm. able to hook up the shattered pieces and make a mosaic. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And how can we as retired athletes pick up the, the shattered pieces of maybe number one, not getting the opportunity to feel life for so many years and still feel like you can enjoy life at a certain level that you're going to learn yeah. how to feel life and enjoy life. Like you said, differently, progressively in a growth mentality. It's just a mm-hmm. very different, um, different life now. And I'm, we're all, I think we're all seeking retired athletes, high, high level retired mm-hmm. athletes seeking purpose in that way. We know yeah. what made us happy. We like happy in our head, but the emotions I don't believe were there for most of us growing up. We have a lot mm-hmm. more tools these days than we had in the past to understand mm-hmm. that emotions are a part of life and avoiding emotions don't bring happiness in sports and sports doesn't bring happiness. That phrase is, is uh, not acceptable to most athletes. Mm-hmm. Sports mm-hmm. is they're happy. They can mm-hmm. hate themselves, but sports, they're not going to separate themselves from sports, mm-hmm. but in sports feeling happy. I don't think there really is a sense of happy in sports for most athletes. Retiring mm-hmm. from sports is so hard because we never really got to enjoy sports, I think, because we mm-hmm. missed the emotional part of it. Yeah, that's so fascinating to me. When you had asked me about saying lean in earlier, I, that's kind of what I mean, right? It's like, I think it, leaning into the emotional component of it, leaning into the, that unfamiliarity and that discomfort and that, you know, just kind of uncertainty and not knowing leaning into all of that, because that's where the growth is. Like that's where the future, that's where the richness of life is. Mm-hmm. And so even as I hear you talk about your sport and, and associating the sport with the positive feeling and the flipping with the positive feeling, feeling like, can we go the next level? Can we figure out what is that emotion? Because if you weren't allowed to feel it then, Right. You weren't encouraged to feel it then. It's quite possible you really don't know yet. Right. You you associate it with the flipping. But what was the, what's the felt sense? What's in your body that you love so much? See, when you say that, Krista, I see myself doing a skill I never actually did, like double layouts off the bars and nailing it. And that's where I'm like, ah, it's like, like pride. Such a- accomplishment like accomplishment probably just it's one of those things if I figured it out I figured out how to get that skill and now I want to go actually do it but now I missed it does that make Mm, sense satisfaction yeah a lot of satisfaction so I when I'm bored I go through Mm -hmm. skills skills I've never skills Mm -hmm. I know my my brain could do but because it feels good but I I'm trying to make sense of what you're saying and I don't know hopefully this is helping some of you who are retired or some of you who have um feel like you're missing out right now because you're not competing Mm -hmm. or those who may have injuries where you're disappointed. But I think Mm -hmm. a lot of what I had growing up is I wanted attention from coaches. Mm -hmm. And I uh, always thought that I was like the third, the third wheel kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I was always not quite good enough. So that was one of them. But if there was no coach, I just loved doing gymnastics. When the coach is there, I wanted to prove myself. Mm -hmm. And as long as I wasn't looking sad or mad or disappointed as long as I looked like I was working hard everything was 
to me good, but the coach never had to say a word. It was all self-reflection, right? Mm -hmm. And the coach rarely said a word that we had. She rarely said anything. And we just condemned ourselves all the time. I did. And I talked to a couple Mm -hmm. of teammates who have also, and she's beautiful coach, but she didn't have to say a word for us to sit there and judge ourselves constantly on whether we were good enough. Yeah. It's really, when you say lean into stuff, I think you're right. I think the part that when you say, what did you feel? The satisfaction of sports was 100% personal. It was 100% sensational. The, the sensation of feeling doing something well that I could tweak and get immediate gratification. If I tweak something, I could nail that skill. And it felt like I figured it out. It felt so good. But the part that I think I was missing is the connection with humans that I didn't ever feel good enough for other people watching. I didn't ever feel good enough mm. for that for the coach, or I wasn't quite good enough as, you know, as, as good as my teammates, those kind of emotions that we didn't get to understand, or we didn't, we weren't encouraged to understand. And I, I don't know if yeah. that's for everybody with their, but I've heard that there's quite a few of retired when I coach clients, a lot of retired athletes are trying to make sense of the world without sports, but also because we never understood that our happiness didn't come from sports. Our happiness yeah. didn't come from a win. Our happiness, our confidence doesn't come from a gold medal. Mm-hmm. Our happiness has nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the grief is, well, what was it all? What, what was it all? What was it? What, what was, was it? it that we, yeah. 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 Like and I think it's, it's so important to acknowledge that, right? That that is the reality of how you feel. And that is what's going on in your mind. Right. We don't have to let that go. We can just right. honor that and acknowledge it. And and totally like, and, and understand like everything up until now, you know, like we don't have to beat ourselves up for having a different take on something now than we did as we were experiencing it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We can hold space for both. And we can love it just as much. And we do. I know there's so many of us who just love, we loved being an athlete. Yeah. And how do we make that kind of enjoyment? How do we find that joy in our life today without sports? Our identity is so enmeshed with the sport. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the part of it has to be going back and, and, and seeing what kind of what you just said, which is, but seeing it from a really powerful lens, which is that I created this amazing experience for myself and I attributed it to the sport, but actually the whole time, I was the one with my human brain creating this experience for myself. And I used the sport to create it, Hmm. but it wasn't the sport. It was me creating it and attributing it to the sport. Mm -hmm. And so if I created it then, and I used the sport to get that satisfaction, to get that pride, to get that accomplishment, to get whatever it is that challenge that flow, maybe. Yes. Yes. But if I did it then with that, and it wasn't that, it was actually me all along, Mm -hmm. then that means I can do it again with something else, right? I can create something that is meaningful and fulfilling and satisfying in my life because it never really was the sport. The sport was just the vehicle that that I used, but but really it was me. 100%. Yeah. And then we go forward. It's like the same thing with the relationship with my women, right? Like they think that that was the relationship that created their happiness. They think it was that other person. 
They don't understand that they did that. Yeah. It's never the other person. It's never the thing outside of us. It's always what we bring to it. It's always the story that we're choosing to tell ourselves and that, that that's what we're creating, but we just don't see it because we're in it. Mm-hmm. It's like a fish in water and the, you ask the fish, how's the water? And the fish doesn't even know it's in water. It's right. like, what are you talking about? Right. We just, we don't see it because we're in it. But when we step back and we go, oh, actually there are many people in unhappy marriages there are many people playing sports that hate it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and give yourself credit for what you created and see how strong and powerful are and then leverage that to go forward and build what you want next. I love that. I love the idea that you created, all of you who are competitive athletes who have re- retired, we created the elite level life for us. We created the pro level for us, it wasn't the sport that created it for us. So I appreciate that perspective, Krista. And for as much as my brain says, I know the sport is not what makes you happy. You don't, it's not the love of the sport that makes us happy. It's our story about what we make the sport mean about us, that it makes us feel like we're enough, that it makes us feel like we're complete, that it makes us feel like we're acceptable and that we're valuable and Mm -hmm. I think that that's really beautiful that you relate it to the women in any relationship for any of us with our coaches with our teammates with uh, now that I'm a parent of athletes that that all of it is just our power creating it yeah that we get to choose how we want to use that power to create the next pro level and elite level life in a different place yeah and in a different space and one seems so fun because that's my story. It seems so much more fun just to do handstands to enjoy life. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. there's so many different ways to enjoy life. And there's so many different ways to use that power that we've had at such a young age. And, mm-hmm. and I think high-level athletes, because we start at such a young age expecting so much of ourselves, we uh, we get into life and we're like, well, this isn't very challenging. Like, what can we do to, mm-hmm. to be more challenged? in a way physically because we're movers athletes are physical mm-hmm. in general we like to feel satisfaction and success and mm-hmm. to sit behind a screen and talk sometimes it's one of those scenes where we're like but something's missing i want to just go mm-hmm. kinesthetically enjoy life again mm-hmm. so i think that that's really thank you for for helping me and all of us realize that as much as cognitively we can understand consciously, hey, we are not our sport. At the same time, we were the ones, I am the one who created the love of the sport. I am the one that created that that relationship with my sport. Nobody else did. And the sport didn't either. And I really appreciate that. Thank yeah. you, Krista. You're so welcome. So Krista, what is one of... I like I feel like I can breathe again. <laughs> okay, good. I'm not so emotional, but yeah. I do I do know that you know I, I'm gonna have to really ponder and reflect on that. It's as much as it's easy to say, like I said, it's easy for all of us retired athletes to say, we're good, we're good, we got this, we got life, mm-hmm. we're good. There's times where I think, like what Krista does with her clients, where sometimes we need to sit and realize, well, maybe we're not okay. Maybe we're not okay with 
that part of our life being over, but it doesn't mean it has to be over. Maybe we are 100% okay with just us, but we can be sad about that loss and we can recreate something powerful in another area of our life. Just as impressive, just as exciting for us personally. It has nothing to do with anybody or anything outside of us. And I think that's the search for me Mm -hmm. is I want to create something just as satisfying. And it's just something in my head. We're like, well, that wasn't it. Let's try this. Well, that wasn't it. And people look at me like, you're crazy. I'm all, no, I just haven't found the thing (laughs) that can Mm -hmm. carry me through the rest of the last half of my life that carried me through the first half. So I think that this is really fascinating for my brain to consider. the Yeah. And just to, to explore that it's never going to be the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It never was the thing and it never will be the thing. It's you. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And that's about the idea of, of worth. We're already 100% of worth. So now what do we want to do with that power inside of us to enjoy the worth right. that, you know, we can't increase or decrease our worth. We're not going to be able to find the validation in this if that's what we were seeking. It, not. Yeah. Because it never came from there anyway. Exactly. Yeah. We just thought it did. Yeah. It's kind of tricky how our brain is very subtle. Oh, well, and not to mention <laughs> nobody teaches us these things growing up. That's true. Right. So most of us don't, I mean, I don't know what the average age um, of athlete that you work with is, or, you know, former athlete, I'm sure it's all across the board, but at least for me, I didn't figure this stuff out until I was in my forties. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. And I was yeah. teaching mindset trainings and I have my psychology degree and I've been teaching it since I graduated and I've been working with sports psychologists since I was 15 And that's been my life, right? Is I think I got a handle on this stuff and yet I still feel a huge void. Mm -hmm. And yet I still feel like I don't know how to feel in the way that I see people feeling. And I'm like, wait a second, Mm -hmm. I can feel sensationally. I can tweak a tiny thing and get this huge, you know, double whatever I want to do physically, Mm -hmm. but I Mm -hmm. don't feel the emotion inside. And that's a practice I think we all have to work on. And like you're saying, it's something we were taught and it's yeah. not something that we were definitely not taught to accept as an athletic um, life to be emotionally connected to sports. It was, mm-hmm. you are physically connected to sports. Yeah, but compartmentalize everything else. Yeah, yeah. So thank you. Thank you for all of your suggestions. Do you have any other tips for people who are really suffering with grief, really suffering with the idea that it shouldn't, the the shouldn't story, it shouldn't be this way. It should be different. I should be, you know, be doing something, even though I don't know what that thing is, but I should be doing Mm -hmm. something more with my life because look what I was able to produce over here. How come I'm not doing something big over here? That's, that's a little bit separate than, than a loss of a spouse. But what are a couple of tips that you give people who are really stuck in the, the, suffering of the loss instead of the growth of the future. Do you mm-hmm. have a couple yeah. thoughts to share with us? Well, you know, I love teaching people and helping them consider for themselves whether they're creating clean pain or dirty pain, mm. right? Whether they're creating pain or whether they're creating suffering. Because since we live in a culture that says and sells, really sells positive mm-hmm. emotions, mm-hmm. right? and we're kind of trained to believe that you're supposed to have more positive than negative emotion, then we tend to avoid pain in general, which is not helpful because what we resist persists, right? It, it literally multiplies, you know, it, it is true that, you know, pain will wait, 
<laughs> we'll wait. I have, I've, you know, moms all the time that they were, they bought and sold this lie of the first year. I don't know if athletes struggle with this too, or a particular amount of time is supposed to pass. And then if you just hold on long enough, mm. then at a certain point in time, something magical happens and you don't hurt anymore. Yeah. Right. So you just time like you, everything. Yeah. So you just grip, right. And you just try to distract or you grip and you, you hold on. And then it's so disappointing when that amount of time has passed mm -hmm. and you realize that it, you don't feel any different, mm -hmm. you know, it's still there. It's still, it's still kind of like waiting for you. And so if we can normalize that, you know, we're, we're not going to escape pain from loss. Of course it's caused by our, you know, response to it and thoughts about it, but when it's there, we, we want to let it flow through us. We don't want to ignore it. We don't want to shove it under and mm -hmm. pretend it's not there. And, and if we know that it can't actually physically hurt us and that really the only way around is through, then it's easier to do that. It's easier to let that pain flow through us and to really just feel it, right? Um, it, it's so much more problematic when we try to avoid it or when we pile other behaviors on top of it in effort to get away from it. Usually most of us end up creating things in our lives that we really don't want. But we understand why it happens, you know, it, it, we're, we're wired in our brain to seek pleasure and avoid pain. And so of course we don't wanna feel it, it's counterintuitive and we were never taught. So allow the pain to flow through you, whatever that feeling is, like name it, open up to it, let it. I, I teach a three-step process, which is, is now in OW. So name it, open up to it, and witness it. And it's really that simple. You don't have to be sitting and meditating to do this. <laughs> like you can just be going throughout your day and all of a sudden you notice, wow, I'm really angry, really feel angry, right? I'm really feeling resentful right now. And okay, I'm not gonna recoil from this. I'm not gonna try to get away from it. It's not a problem that I feel angry, but I do. So I'm just gonna open up to it. I'm just gonna let it flow through me, right? I'm just gonna let it be with me and pass. And then, watching what happens in your body. Where is that feeling experience? Like so many of my emotions are in my throat. Mm -hmm. So many, mm -hmm. my throat, sometimes my chest, but so many are in my throat. And if I just put my attention there because I'm open to it and I've acknowledged that it can't hurt me, then it will flow through me. And a couple of minutes later, it's really kind of run its course, mm -hmm. right? And then I haven't dirtied it up. I've just processed it in a clean way. We also dirty it up by judging it and judging ourselves for having it. I shouldn't feel angry. I shouldn't feel sad. I should suck it up. I should be farther along than I am, right? It's all of that should thoughts. This shouldn't be happening, right? It's anytime we're resisting reality, we're judging ourselves and we just take what could be a really clean, pure, almost beautiful pain mm -hmm and dirty it all up and turn it into resistance and shame and guilt and just all the ick we add on top of it. It's so unnecessary. And so those are my, those are my main, you know, things. If I can teach someone how to just normalize that pain is part of life and it's okay. And it doesn't mean you've done anything wrong and you can just let it flow through you. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to judge it or ourselves for having it or resist having it. And it's those things that take clean pain and make it dirty, okay. right? And it doesn't matter what it's about. It doesn't matter if it's about the car that just cut you off in traffic or if it's about, you know, a big, huge loss in your life. Mm -hmm. It's all the same 
unproductive response mm -hmm. that makes it harder than it just needs to be. I think along, I love that. I think along with that, it creates the action that as athletes, we want to show up as our highest level. We want to show up as our, whatever the best level is. We want to show up as uh, what's going to serve us the most. We want the actions that are going to produce results. And so I think mm -hmm. exactly what you're saying, that the clean versus dirty pain allows us to name it and open up and witness and move through the pain, the suffering, the regret, the guilt, the grief, to be able to consider more ways to enjoy life, to consider yeah. new ways to find joy. And I think that all of that together is a is a process. And I so appreciate that the clean versus dirty pain. The I'm just going to kind of sum up a couple of things that I am taking away myself from this between the clean and dirty pain, you guys. Um, I think that that's really you, you add the suffering on top of the pain that you have by judging yourself and then um, all the shouldn'ts, the shouldn't stories, the wishing it was different stories, that life's not fair stories. And then the now, naming it, naming the emotion that you're feeling in any moment and maybe practice it even when you're not feeling bad and feeling sad and feeling discouraged. Maybe practice it when you're feeling a neutral space and a positive space that name it and open up to it and witness it and enjoy it. Whether I think one of the thoughts I love right now is that all emotions are a form of love. They're, it's a love for you. And I, I do feel that the idea of being in the now, being in the present, recognizing what your emotionally human body is experiencing is a great practice for all athletes. I, I do like to say athletes are a little bit like robots in the emotional realm because we don't fail. We just act. We do. We obey. And that's one level of life that served us well as a child learning how to obey. But as an adult, we need to mature to a space where we can actually feel what we want to believe with our agency, our power that we want to do next. So naming it and opening up and witnessing it being in the now. I really appreciate that, Krista. And I appreciate your time and, and your ideas. And um, Krista, if there's somebody who wants to reach out to you, because you do work with other people rather other than just specifically widows, um, and grief is, I really believe, is something that we can all consider, especially those athletes who are disappointed right now with the seasons, those who have been, been injured. I talked to a whole group the other day, and the injured kids did not come to our session, which I thought, how sad. They're the ones feeling a lot of loss right now, too. And then there's the ones who are competing, who are worried about not competing well enough and the loss of not getting the score and not getting the place that they wanted on the podium. And then there's the retired athletes. There's just so many different realms in every realm of life, but in athletics. If they wanted to reach out to you and seek a little more help with their processing their grief, where would they find you? What could they sure, do? Yeah, I would... I would send them first to my podcast it, and don't let the name be misleading. It's called the widowed mom podcast, okay. right? But if you're, if you're seeking resources and in a greater understanding of grief, mm -hmm. just listen to it through that lens, right? Listen to it through the lens of whatever's going on in your life. And it's so relevant. Um, and then of course, you know, uh, coaching with Krista.com is my, my website address. That's where all my information is. They can follow me on Instagram, find me on Facebook, whatever, but yeah, yeah. So, so I so appreciate it. And like she said, look through it. When I talk to Krista, I see it as an athletic lens. Put on the skepticals or the spectacles when you hear, you know, of um, how can I take this and apply it to my life? How can I use this to 
become a better athlete, to be able to enjoy that, that I think is a key to be able to enjoy the sport that you're choosing right now. And the sport may be being a parent for me, you know, the sport Mm -hmm. may be actually competing right now, whatever the thing is in your life, use the tools that Krista offers to help you feel your life and not be afraid of feeling. And I appreciate Krista, your time. Thank you so much. We sure, we're going to have her on a couple more times, you guys. And uh, we've asked her to help in a a few different realms. So you can kind of see how these tools will help um, in different, different areas, different places. But right now we're focusing on the sports and Krista, we appreciate you. We can't wait to have you back again soon. Totally my pleasure. Thank you. And and we'll see you. We'll talk to you again next week. I hope you guys can all enjoy and take, um, take these pieces and apply them to your life in whatever realm you need them in, because it can go in every single area. This, this piece helps everything. So thanks again, Krista. You bet. Thanks for tuning in. We believe that you've got this, but we would love to help you in your athletic journey. We know you need to get maximum results in the shortest time possible. So we've created a program with short, effective lessons and coaching that you can fit between practice and the rest of life. We coach parents, coaches, and athletes in the mental and emotional health tools they need to create an environment for athletes to thrive. Invest in the one thing that will have the greatest impact on your success, your mind. Check us out at athletesmindsetacademy.com. Let's do this.